Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day and for the tender mercies of Christ. Thank you for the Word of God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you take the Scripture and open it to our understanding, that you would give us eyes to see and hearts to experience and minds to comprehend what you have said to us in your Word. Come, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, we are in the midst of this uh, study on what we're calling forever faithful, that because God is a faithful, unchanging God, He's called us to be a faithful people. And as we've gone through this, we said that this forever faithful mindset has three components, clarity of doctrine and understanding, which leads to a unified purpose and goal in honoring Christ, which compels us to be people of charity or people on mission with God. And, and so that's what we're talking about, and that's what we're trying to encourage all of us to think about. And today and next week, I'm going to be in the book of Joshua, and then we'll go back to Romans. But the book of Joshua, uh, Moses has just died. The children of Israel have been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and they're standing on the banks of the Jordan, and they're looking over into the promised land. And there's excitement in the camp. What is God about to do? And God communicates with the new leader, Joshua. And let me read what he says in part to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 4 and following. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but on it you shall meditate day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so the Lord says, Joshua, something great is about to happen. But hear this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall speak it, sing it, talk it. And you shall meditate on it day and night, which means to mentally walk through and to turn it over and to ponder it, that you may be careful to do, third step, according to all that is written in it, for then you shall make your way prosperous, then you shall have good success. We live in a time, church, of unprecedented change. There's a man I respect very much named Francis Schaeffer who died in 1984. He was very important to my generation of evangelicals. Wonderful man, great thinker, prophetic. 
late in his life, especially as he surveyed the land regarding the sanctity of human life and how people were using abortion as a means of birth control and gender selection, Schaefer said this. He said, as an older man who sees what man, apart from the revelation of God, can do, I will never use this phrase again. Quote, I am shocked. Close quote. I remember reading that and thinking, you know, he's absolutely right. And I, I said, well, I'm not going to use the phrase, I am shocked. But I've got to tell you, the last few months, things have happened that have caused me to sit down and say, I'm shocked. Things are changing rapidly in certain areas. For example, this week, the country of Ireland, as a nation, voted 60% to 40% as a nation to allow for same-sex marriages in Catholic Ireland. The under 30 age group voted in favor of that referendum, 71%. And in the aftermath, a man named Mark Silk was writing an editorial. He's a professor of religion at a Northeast University. He was celebrating what had happened, and this was what he says. He says, Catholicism in Ireland is understood as a religious culture rather than a set of official doctrines. Now, in that one brief statement is a collision of worldviews. He says basically that Catholicism in Ireland, he celebrates this, he said it, it, it's, it's not about doctrine. It's about being culturally attuned to what's going on and acquiescing to the culture. In other words, here's the Christian faith, and as the culture washes over it, the Christian faith just says, sure, why not? We want to affirm our culture, and religion can be something that's privatized and may give you a good feeling as you drink your coffee in the morning, but it doesn't have binding authority. So, so we're, we're, so, but, but, but we believe, we believe and the truth has once for all been delivered to the saints, Jude 3. We believe God has spoken. We believe with Joshua of old, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth because you shall meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. We are people of the book. That's why when the Reformation happened in 1517 and following, one of the cries of the Reformation was the Scripture alone. And, and later they said that the Scripture alone, and, and the church reformed and always reforming according to the Word of God. And so our little brief confessional statement on the Scripture says this in part. Well, I said he wants us to be I-knows, evangelicals and names only. Okay, let's go that. Baptist faith and message. The Bible reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of all Christian union. It's central. And the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of revelation. So it says, all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions stand under the authority of God's word. We're people of the book. We're people of the book because the book points to Jesus, and Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's God, and we worship the triune God. So this is who we are. There's a wonderful book called Pilgrim's Progress that you should read, written by a guy named John Bunyan who was in prison when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, and he wrote it because he would not quit preaching the gospel in England. And so 
It's an allegory of a man who has a burden on his back. The burden is sin. A man named Evangelist says, go to the wicked gate. To go to the wicked gate. Beyond that, he saw the cross. And as he knelt at the cross, the burden fell from his back and fell into an open grave, representing the victory of Christ over sin and death. But before he got there, he was going along. And he took his eyes off the Lord. And he fell into some quicksand that Bunyan calls the slew of despond which is just being downtrodden and downcast and losing your faith or losing your passion. And, and he's, he's sinking into this miry quicksand. And here's an artist's rendition of it. And someone called Help comes along. And Help pulls him out of the slew of despond. And as they are talking, Help says to Pilgrim, Pilgrim, did you not look for the steps? question mark. He says, what steps? He says, the steps that the good master has put in times of despondency to allow us to walk through the slew of despond. The steps represent the promises of God, the word of God. And, and Christian says, I didn't see the steps. Don't forget the promises of God, church. I went to a seminary where every semester we opened with this hymn, How Firm a Foundation Ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. That's good stuff. Written by a guy named John Rippon. And later he says this. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be your supply. The flames shall not harm thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. He says, I, I only want to burn up the dross or the bad stuff in your life and to refine your faith. He says, when through fiery trials your pathway shall lie. Keep on the steps. Look for the promises of God. Be people of the book. He says here, Joshua, be a man of the book. And this changing culture, be people of the book. Build your life on the destiny of Christ and his word. I had a, I can't believe it, experience this week. I was reading about this man, Robert Gates, a man I respect very much, former president of Texas A&M University, former secretary of defense, former head of the CIA, guy from Kansas, a man of integrity. He's now, I didn't know this till this week, the president of the Boy Scouts of America. And he came out this week and he said, as president, I'm going to push the Boy Scouts of America to be totally inclusive. He says, I'm going to advocate that the Boy Scouts of America now have scout masters who are openly gender neutral or homosexual in their orientation. The Boy Scouts of America. And this is what he said. This is in a press release. And I thought, this is... He said, quote, we must deal with the world as it is, not as we might wish it to be, close quote. I said, are you, are you kidding me? You really said that? I mean, you really said that, Secretary Gates? Did you go to your troops when they were going to the Middle East to fight tyranny and say, hey, guys, as you go to fight, realize we are going there to fight, not for the world as we wish it to be, but just as it is, just have fun? No. So that's not what we believe as the church. See, our, our purpose statement is equipping people, boys and girls and men and women, to pursue Jesus passionately, 
so they can go out and impact their culture and the cultures of the world. We want to change things. We are a prophetic minority who've been commissioned by a risen Savior to take the gospel out, to take every thought captive to the obedience of God. That's who we are. And that's where we stand. And as I stood at the PCA graduation and saw our seniors graduate, went to senior night this week and saw all these seniors, I just thought about young men and women who, who, who hopefully are being sharpened to go out and impact their culture in the name of Christ, whether it's through law or academics or coaching or homemaking or medicine or whatever. My only regret is more and more of our students are going to Clemson. That we had all these seniors Thursday night, and only one is going to the Harvard of the South, the Citadel. Only one. I said, I, 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 I failed. But that's an aside. I just, so stand. And secondly, we have the presence of God. The Scripture says that when you honor the Lord and you look to Him, you have the presence of God. This is really, really cool. So, so chapter 3, verse 14 or 13 says, when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above it shall stand in one heap. So, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the Lord, and, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come to as far as the Jordan River and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So, so they had the, the presence of God. And I thought about the promises in the Bible regarding the, the presence of God. I thought of the statement in the book of Matthew where Jesus looks at his men and says, Who do you men say that I am? And, and Simon Barjona says, Some men say that you're this and some men say that you're that. But I say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. And I tell you, your name is Simon, but you will become Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And people said throughout the centuries, what does it mean, upon this rock I will build my church? And I believe it means that upon this confession, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. But the promise is this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us because we have the presence of God in our midst. And I think of Matthew 28 where the ascended or almost the resurrected Christ getting ready to ascend looks at a motley group of people. I mean just kind of the not very impressive group. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth is given to me. You go. And you make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. And you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
and I am with you always to the end of the age. So when you take the gospel to unreached people groups, when you take gospel to the inner city areas of hurt in this country, when you take the gospel out, the promise is that the Christ is with us. And so when the people who have the word of God and they have the, the presence of God, they go forward. Now, I, I, was, I was just thinking about Joshua. I think about us today and Joshua. Joshua, he says, this book of the law. You know, the book of the law he's talking about were just the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Right here, this. We have the whole Bible. We have the complete revelation of God here. Nothing about them going forward. And I think about us. And I think about Joshua. I think about them having the occasional outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Before Christ came, the Holy Spirit was given periodically at various times to various people for a season. But after the resurrected Christ ascended, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church of Pentecost. And now every believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit forever. I thought about these dear people who, who had the sacrificial system, and they, they saw a, a Lamb of God, a Messiah King coming, but they saw it dimly. They saw it coming in the future. They had the Lamb of Yom Kippur once a year that would cover their sin from year to year in anticipation of the great Messiah King who would come, and they trusted God. No, we have, we have the full revelation of God in His Trinitarian glory. We have Jesus supernaturally born, sinless life. Atoning sacrifice on the cross for our sins, raised from the dead, ascended to the Father, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding, praying for us today. Behold what we have. And that's why I think of Matthew 13 where Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes and what they see and your ears and what they hear. For I tell you that many righteous men long to see what you guys are seeing and to hear what you guys are hearing, but they didn't hear it and they didn't see it. And he said that before his passion, death, Resurrection, ascension. How much more should we be people who go forward? And so are people that have the book, the promises, are people that have the presence, are people who are prepared. Listen to this. Joshua 3, 4, and 5. It says, Yet there shall be a distance between you and the ark. The ark of the covenant representing the presence of God. Of 2,000 cubits. That's a half a mile. Do not come near it in order that you may know that the way you should go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Our people had the promises of God and longed for the presence of God prepare their hearts by being the people of God. God is holy, holy, holy. The ark is a half mile ahead. God is saying, you don't approach me in a cavalier fashion. You don't approach me in a whimsical way. You approach me in my prescribed way. And today we only approach the living God in his triune glory through the mediator whose name is Jesus. That's the only way to come near to God. And as we understand that, we consecrate ourselves for today the Lord is among us. Or as Joshua says, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God's going to break out. And I, and I was thinking about this. I was just, 
I said, Lord, let us be a people who understand this. And then I picked up Morning and Evening Yesterday by Charles Spurgeon. The Baptist preacher, barrel-chested Baptist preacher, died in 1858, age 55. Wrote a devotion called Morning and Evening, which I just love. This is what he said yesterday. I'm just reading a few sentences. It's about being consecrated, being holy as unto the Lord. A little thorn may cause much suffering. A little cloud may hide the sun. Little foxes spoil the vines. And little sins do mischief to the tender heart. These little sins burrow in the soul and make it so full of that which is hateful to Christ that he can hold no comfortable fellowship and communion with us. A great sin cannot destroy a Christian. But a little sin can make him miserable. What a great statement. A great great sin can't destroy us because we're in the Father's hand. We won't be snatched away. But a little sin that's unconfessed and undealt with can make you miserable. Jesus will not walk with his people unless they drive out every known sin. Surely it must be an affliction For a tender child to be separated from his father. Are you a child of God? And yet you're satisfied to go on without beholding your father's face? That wall between you and the Lord may be built up by little pebbles as well as by great stones. The sea is made of drops. The rocks are made of grains. And the sea which divides you from Christ may be filled with drops of little sins. I, and I, I just, you know, I want God to work among us. And I, I say to you, if you see sin in my life, please tell me, rebuke me. The Bible says in James 5, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Be serious about sin. Proverbs 28, he he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy to to deal with sin, little sins that that blot your vision of of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Consecrate yourselves because the Lord is about to do a great work among you. Church, just, just hear that. I um, was thinking this morning just how, what a wonderful church you are. What, what a great people you are. What, what a joy. Uh, today is my 33rd anniversary year, 33 years. And you've been kind to Sarah and me through the years. You've raised our kids. You've been consistent when we were not. I will never be able to thank you enough. And to thank the public committee who 33 years ago took a chance on a 12-year-old child prodigy and brought him here. <laughs> but let me cover a few things with you now. We're getting ready to go out and, and look at our building expansion project. So Craig mentioned this earlier, but, but this is what we're looking at, okay? As we have this building expansion, it's going to give our contemporary worshipers who have been so kind and worshiped in the gym for several years a, a place of their own to worship, this place. Acoustically, broad to speed, a place where they can worship. 
It's going to give us, so they're, they're going to go from 450 seats to 800 seats. We're going to have a sanctuary built that will be used for multiple issues, but worship as well, as the, of the blended worship, going from 800 to 1,200. So you see the potential for growth. It's going to free up the gym to allow us to have different venues, Bible studies during our hours in the morning. Uh, that's going to happen. So, so as we, and, and, and as we went through this, the design committee came to us and they said, really, there's going to be a gap between the new sanctuary and the rest of the buildings. So they said, we, we want to propose that we have a, a large area, kind of an atrium, that will be a commons area, a welcome center where people can come in and have refreshment and, and have exhibits and see what's going on and, and mingle. Uh, it, it'll be a great place, an entrance area. So I am thrilled with that. I, I think it's wonderful. Uh, you'll have coffee bars for those who drink coffee, for those who are truly sanctified and just drink tea. We'll have tea places for you guys, okay? So, so we'll have all, all kinds of stuff for that. So I want, to, I want to cover a few things with you very quickly, and Dean's going to give you some instructions. So first of all, people say, what about debt? Which is a great question. I covered this, I think, two weeks ago. I'll do it again very quickly. Right now, in our operating budget this year, 6% of our operating budget is going to debt. 6%. Now, in most churches our size, the, the debt load is 25 to 30%. So we're well below that. You gave us the permission to borrow $2.5 million to build the sanctuary. And even if we borrow not, or excuse me, raise not one more penny, which I hope we do, our debt next year would be 10.6% of our budget, which is well within our, our debt policy. Two years ago, the Elder Board adopted a very conservative debt policy, and we're holding to that. So let me show you what's happening right now. Um, the project that we're going, the building expansion project is going, we're, and is, that we are advocating is $7.1 million. We have cash in hand, $3.3 million that you've given already or that we've allocated from other places in budget overflow. So $3.3 million is in hand. You've allowed us to borrow $2.5 million. So to finish the expansion of the sanctuary and to have the welcome center, we need to have cash in hand, by October 1, or as late, no later than the very early part of January 2016, $1.3 million. Okay, you got it? $1.3 million. So right now, many of you have given very graciously, but many of you are new to this, and we're, my desire is to have 100% participation. Even if you're a college student, I'm saying skip a couple of coffees a week and give to this. Because everyone's going to benefit from this. Our, our school, our ministries, our A-stage ministry, our worshiping communities, our, our local missions, everything. So we're going to sharpen men and women and boys and girls and to send them out as arrows into our culture. So you have a, you have a commitment card. And we're asking you to give that commitment card in sometime in the next couple of months. Pray about it. We're not going to have an advanced campaign. We're not going to have any type of fundraising effort. We're just going to say, here is our need, body of Christ. What would God have you to do? We need to have $1.3 million in hand, new money that we don't have today, in hand by early January to, to complete the project. 
and we want to complete it. And our goal is to be in our new facilities, everything completed by Easter of next year. Easter's in April the what? End of March. Okay, end of March. Okay. So the commitment card, I've made up a make-believe commitment card. George and Martha Washington. Okay, if you're a George Washington married to Martha, I'm not trying to pick on you, but address 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. Phone number, not applicable. Email, not applicable. And if you don't know why that's not applicable, take history again, okay? So, so that's just the way the commitment card looks. But it's, listen, church, it's, it's, it's a good day. It's a good day. I'm so glad you're so part. You're part of our worshiping community, and I rejoice in that. I'm going to pray for us, and Dean's going to give us some instructions, okay? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for a people of God who had only the books of Moses, who had the sporadic empowering of the Holy Spirit, who saw the coming Christ dimly, and they went forward. And I pray that we as your people called out of darkness into your light, who have the Word of God, who are possessors of the Holy Spirit of the living God, who know the reality of the crucified, resurrected, ascended, and interceding Christ, would live with passion and resolve. So, Lord, blessed be your name. Sharpen us to be men and women who impact your culture and the cultures of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.